Whoever you are, wherever you come from, and whomever you love, we welcome you. My name is Lori McGee, and it is my privilege to serve as worship associate for today's service. I am joined today by the Reverend Stephen Protzman, our music director, Hal Walker, acting director of religious education, Colleen Taylor, and the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent Peace Choir. We are delighted to welcome you to this religious community. And this morning, we have a very special guest in our congregation. Who knew that we would be visited by a famous frog? That's not me. (laughs) That's me. I'm here to tell you about the service auction. It's happening on December 1. Food frolic and festivities, and it's only $20 per person. It's a fundraiser that's really quite fun. Volunteers are needed, so call Trish McLaughlin. She'll help you with what you need to do. Donate a service item or purchase advertisements for the lovers, the dreamers, and you. You can get more information at Fezzeton Hall downstairs or in the order of service about the service auction. As Unitarian Universalists, we light a flame within a chalice as a symbol of sanctuary and safety to unite us in our worship and to remind us of our ongoing search for the light of truth. And our chalice lighter this morning is none other than Merlin. Tis the ancestor's breath in the voice of the water. Aush, aush. Those who have died have never, never left. The dead are not under the earth. They are in the trussling trees. They are in the groaning woods. They are in the crying grass. They are in the moaning rocks. The dead are not under the earth. Listen more often to things than to beings. Listen more often to things than to be. Tis the ancestor's breath when the fire's voice is heard. Tis the ancestor's breath in the voice of the water. Those who have died have never, never left The dead have a pact with the living They are in the woman's breast They are in the wailing child They are with us in our homes They are with us in the crowd The dead have a pact with the living Listen Listen more often to things than to be. Tis the ancestor's breath when the voice is turned to Tis the ancestor's breath in the voice of the water. Aush, 
When my grandfather died on August 19, 2001, I was devastated. He was like a father to me when we were very close. As is often the case with sudden loss, I spent the first 24 hours or so in a daze just going through the motions and helping my grandmother make arrangements for the funeral. There was so much to do, but in my quiet moments, my thoughts ran wild. I hoped his suffering was over. I wondered what he was experiencing, if anything. I wished I could know that he was okay. The days between his passing and the funeral were rainy, stormy ones, matching how we all felt inside. One afternoon, on my way to my grandmother's house, when I was feeling particularly overwhelmed by everything going on, the skies abruptly cleared and the sun shone brightly on the black storm clouds. Suddenly, a vibrant, beautiful rainbow filled the sky from end to end, seemingly right over my grandparents' farmhouse. I ran inside and hurried my grandmother and the rest of my family out to the yard to see it as well. And there we all stood, in the rain, crying, sad, and yet hopeful too. Somehow we all knew that the rainbow was my grandfather's way of telling us that he was fine now, that he was no longer in pain, that he was at peace. Now, every time I see a rainbow, I think of him and remember that rainy August day so long ago. Come, let us worship together. This morning during first service, I invited the children up to the chancel to read this book together. Afterwards, we went up to our religious education classes and we made space for the children after hearing this story to talk about loved ones that they that, that have passed on in their life and, and to be able to unpack what they had just heard um, in the story that I'm about to read to you. And I was blessed to be a part of that this morning. There was once a fox who lived with all the other animals in the forest. Fox had lived a long and happy life, but he was now tired. Very slowly, Fox made his way to his favorite spot in the clearing. He looked at his beloved forest one last time and lay down. Fox closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and fell asleep forever. Everything around Fox was still and peaceful. Snow began to fall and gently covered him with a soft blanket. Owl had watched Fox from the top of his tree, and he flew down and landed next to his friend. Owl was very sad. He had known Fox for a long time. But Owl knew that the time had come for his friend to leave. One by one, Fox's friends came to the clearing. First squirrel and weasel, then bear, deer, and bird. And finally, rabbit, mouse, and others came to sit by Fox. Fox had been loved by everyone. He had been kind and caring, and no one could imagine life in the forest without him. The animals sat in silence for a very long time. Owl was the first to speak. He smiled and warmly said, I remember when Fox and I were very young. Every autumn we raced to see who could catch most falling leaves. 
And the other animals remembered that too, and they smiled. Mouse softly said, I remember how much Fox loved the sunset. He always sat in this exact spot. The animals remembered. Many of them had joined Fox watching the sun go down. It was a happy memory, and their sad hearts filled with warmth. Bear remembered how Fox had looked after his cub, her cubs one spring. Rabbit smiled when she told the story of how Fox had played tag with her in the tall grass. Squirrel talked about Fox helping him dig up buried nuts in the deep snow last winter. And one by one, the animals remembered their favorite stories about Fox. Fox had touched the lives of all the animals in the forest with his warmth and kindness, and they smiled, remembering. While the animals talked, a little orange plant grew out of the snow where Fox was lying. Small and delicate at first, and hardly noticeable, the plant grew bigger and stronger and more beautiful with each story that they told. The animals talked about Fox all through the night, and the morning, and the next morning, that little plant had grown into a small tree. The animals saw the tree and knew that Fox was there and still a part of them. During the next days, weeks, and months, the animals remembered many more stories about Fox, and their heavy hearts began to feel a little bit lighter. And the more they remembered, the more the tree grew, higher and higher and more and more beautiful, until it was the tallest tree in the forest, a tree made from memories and full of love. Fox's tree was big and strong enough to shelter all of the animals. It was always buzzing with life, and the birds built their nests among the leaves. Owl raised his grand chicks on the branches. Squirrel found a cozy home inside the trunk, and bear and deer and rabbit slept in his shade. The tree gave strength to everyone who loved Fox. And so, Fox lived on in their hearts forever. Here inside I have refused and will 
I am sitting here wanting memories to teach me to see the beauty in the world through my own eyes. The kind of things that made me feel so wonderful when I was young. The kind of things that made me laugh, made me dance, made me sing. I think of the things that made me grow into a people of pride. Our first reading this morning is the story of Kisa Guatami. Kisa Guatami was a happy young woman from a wealthy family who was happily married to an important merchant. When her only son was one year old, he fell ill and died suddenly. Kisa was struck with grief. She could not bear the death of her only child. Weeping and groaning, she took her dead baby in her arms and went from house to house, begging all the people in the town for news of a way to bring her son back to life. Of course, nobody could help her, but she would not give up. Finally, she came across a Buddhist who advised her to go and see the Buddha himself. When she carried the dead child to the Buddha and told him her sad story, he listened with patience and compassion and then said to her, Kisa, there is only one way to solve your problem. Go and find me four or five mustard seeds from any family in which there has never been a death. Kisa was filled with hope and set off straight away to find such a household. But very soon she discovered that every family she visited had experienced the death of one person or another. At last she understood what the Buddha had wanted her to find out for herself, that suffering is a part of life and death comes to us all. She returned to the Buddha, knelt before him and said, 
Great teacher, yesterday I learned the impermanence of our fragile existence. I understand now that I am not alone in my suffering. But there was something more. Yesterday I connected to other people because of my loss. And they connected to me because of their loss. Yet despite their suffering, some of them had the strength to be kind to me. They listened to me. They consoled me. Their caring for me touched me deeply and eased my pain. One family helped me bury my son late last night. I know I am still very sad, but I want to become your student and learn to strengthen myself. In time, I hope that I too could help others and care for others. Our second reading is Love by John Lovejoy Elliott. The love of the human heart is the most real and the most beautiful of all the realities we know. It is the richest gift of all of our humanity. It is love that joins us together as families, friends, neighbors, and religious communities. Whatever the length of time may be, to have known something of this is to have experienced the supreme privilege of being human. The anguish of parting cannot destroy this most real of all realities. The love has been, the affection has existed, the ties have been woven. Life has been shared, the joys and the sorrows. This has been as real and as strong as anything in life. The love that was once born can never die. For it becomes a part of us, of our lives, woven into the very texture of our being. Each of us would wish to leave some part of ourselves. Yes, every one of us, some memory, some influence for good. So here and now, we bear witness to the memory of those who now, in death, bequeath a part, precious and beloved, which will be with us in truth and beauty, in dignity and courage, and love to the end of our days. My old friend, I recall the times we had our Hanging on my wall, I wouldn't trade them for gold. They laughed and they cried me, they somehow sanctify me. They're woven in the stories I have told. And tell again, my old friend, I apologize. The years that have passed since the last time you and I dusted off those memories the running and the races the people and the places there's always somewhere else I had to be time gets thin my old friend I don't know I don't know why 
friend This song's for you Cause a few simple verses Was the least that I could do To tell the world You were here The love and the laughter We live on long after All of the sadness and the tears We'll meet again my old friend Goodbye 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 My old friend I recall times we had are hanging on my wall I wouldn't trade them for gold they laughed and they cried me, they somehow sanctify me, they're woven in the stories I have told and tell again my old friend I looked in the mirror the other day, and there was my father looking back at me with the Protzman jawline and the bushy eyebrows. Handsome devil, I said, and winked. Has that ever happened to you? You've looked in the mirror and caught a glimpse of your mother or your father. When that happened to me, I felt a moment of sadness. Dad died 14 years ago at the relatively young age of 70, and I miss him. We had a complex relationship through the years. But when he died, we had a good relationship. And it was easier to let him go, knowing I'd been able to say, I love you, many times. Earlier this year, before I moved to Ohio, I went on a retreat at Conception Abbey in Northwest Missouri. I took time to visit my father's grave in Maryville. And I also spent time in the cemetery on the Abbey grounds, where many of dad's relatives are buried. As I walked among the gravestones, I felt a strong connection with my family and comfort in knowing these are my people. This is where I come from. It's the time of year for these rituals of remembering and honoring our beloved dead and reflecting on death as a part of the natural cycle of life. As the days grow short and the leaves become that familiar crunch beneath our feet, Nature is saying to us, memento mori, remember, remember that all who live will die. There are many holy days and festivals this time of year about death and remembering the dead. Since the late Middle Ages, the dead have been remembered in Christian countries across the world with church services on All Souls Day. There is, of course, Halloween and the ancient Celtic holy day of Samhain. People in Mexico and Latin America celebrate El Dia de los Muertos, the Day of the Dead, on November 1st and 2nd. In Mexico, the holiday is very festive. It involves placing the dead person's favorite foods, photographs, flowers, and mementos on a home altar. Many families will also keep an all-night candlelight vigil in the graveyards where their dead are buried and go to open-air memorial masses. These rituals of remembrance are important, so this morning we take time to remember and honor our beloved dead. 
We'll dwell on the mystery of living by remembering that life and death are woven together. And we'll receive several powerful spiritual gifts. The first gift this morning is community. In creating a sacred place where we can tell our stories, share our grief, and reconnect with our history, we become more intimate with one another as we offer care, compassion, and understanding. In a world where we are expected to keep our emotions to ourselves, to get over it and move on, to have this place where we acknowledge that grief never truly ends but is part of living helps us live up to our vision to be a caring, inclusive community. Everyone in this room has experienced loss. For some of us, grief is very fresh with the recent death of a loved one. For others of us, grief has been a long companion. Now in the background of daily life, its edges softened with time. For all of us, through the experience of loss and being present to the loss of others, like Kisa Gatami in the first reading, we are given the opportunity to grow spiritually by feeling deeper compassion for others. The second spiritual gift is one of healing. In taking time to grieve and express our feelings of sorrow and loss, we are doing the work of becoming whole. Grief and loss are normal human feelings, but they can become toxic if they're not worked through and released. Expressing grief helps us stay both physically and emotionally healthy. The third spiritual gift is one of knowing who we are and understanding that we are deeply connected to both the past and the future. In naming our connections with the dead, we remember that they literally live on in us. Former UUA President Peter Morales tells us to look in the mirror where we will see not only ourselves, but also our ancestors. We are the result of the choices made by our parents and grandparents, choices that shape our lives. The fourth spiritual gift is a reminder that life is a precious, very fragile gift. As we acknowledge the reality of our own death someday, we have an opportunity to reprioritize our lives, to discover again what really matters, living with love and integrity, mending relationships and seeking forgiveness where it is needed, experiencing the beauty and wonder around us every moment of life, working to make the world a better place, and asking how we can live as fully as possible. My late colleague Forrest Church wrote about how death helped him to live more fully after finding out that his cancer was terminal. He said, when dying comes calling at the door like a bracing wind, it clears us of our pettiness. It connects us to others. More alert to life's fragility, we reawaken to life's preciousness. We enter the sacred realm of the heart, where the one thing that can never be taken from us, even by death, is the love we give away before we go. The fifth and most powerful spiritual gift of this day is that love, a gift that is so powerful because it cannot ever be taken away. The poet May Sarton wrote, Dear child, what has once been so interwoven cannot be raveled, nor the gift ungiven. Now the dead move through all of us still glowing. Mother and child, lover and lover mated, are wound and bounded together and in flowing. 
It is love which is the heart of our work of remembering today. At every memorial service, I express one of life's greatest truths. The love that binds us to one another is stronger than death, and it will outlast time and even all the stars. The second reading, you heard John Lovejoy Elliott's words, the anguish of parting cannot destroy this most real of all realities. The love has been, the affection has existed, the ties have been woven. Life has been shared, the joys and the sorrows. This is as real and strong as anything in life. The love that was once born will never die, for it becomes a part of us, our very lives woven into the very texture of our being. As we name and remember our beloved dead, let us give thanks for them, the people and the animals who helped make life richer and more joyful. In loving us and guiding us, they made the world a better place. May we find peace and comfort in knowing they live on in us. And may we rejoice in the gift of their love for us and our love for them, now safely kept in the home of our hearts. Now with love and tears, let's take time to honor and remember them. For our rituals of remembrance this morning, we're going to start with a time of lament for the shooting yesterday at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. In the silence, let us hold in our hearts the 11 lives lost to senseless violence at the hands of a domestic terrorist. In the silence, let us grieve for the families of those who died yesterday. In the silence, let us pray for those who were injured in body and spirit during the shooting, including four first responders. Going to ring the bell once for each of the people who died yesterday. As we grieve together, let us also speak truth. This was anti-Semitism. This mass shooting was a hate crime. It was an act of bigotry that we are all called to denounce and resist. Let us also remember that thoughts and prayers are not enough. Let us renew our commitment to work for peace and justice, to be a people of resistance, and to offer our lives to transforming the world. This is a prayer adapted from my colleague, Lynn Cox. Holy One, spirit that is love and life itself, as we gather to remember our loved ones, we bring hearts broken again by senseless violence. Be with us in this hour of grief. Be with us as we reach out to one another in comfort. 
Be with us as we come to terms with our sadness, anger, and despair. Hold us in the embrace of eternal love, even when we forget our connections with each other and with our deepest selves. Fill our hearts with a thirst for justice, a hunger for righteousness, and help us be those in, with, and through whom our world is transformed. Lead us together in hope, healing, and action. Lead us to reach out to one another in comfort, in coalition building, in creativity, in calling for change. May we emerge from this time of lamentation transformed, ready to stand and move and dance together in the service of love and justice. Hold us in our unity, celebrating life in many voices and singing together as one people, ready to create the world we hope and pray and dream for. All of these things we pray for love's sake. Amen. Their lives are made forever mine. What they to me have been has left henceforth its seal and sign engraven deep within. Mine are they by an ownership not time nor death can free. For God has given to love to keep its own eternally. We gather to remember our loved ones. And with thanksgiving, we remember also the leaders, members and friends of this congregation on whose legacy we now build by bearing witness to the memory of those in this community who have died in the last year. Olive Hobbs. Jean Wenninger. Bev Cole. Gabriel Lopez. At this time, I invite you to come forward as you wish to speak the name of those you wish to remember. You're also welcome to write their names on a piece of paper and place it in the bowl or light a candle in their memory or just remember your loved one in silence after each name. We'll ring the bell once. P. Burnell Jr., my father, born December 11th, 1922, died May 29th, 1961. All the others killed yesterday by guns and the day before that and the day before that and Sue Reeves. Jody Mottarelli. My father, Herbert Sandlin. Linda Rome and John Boyd. Sarah Ann Flazinski. Brett Orsburn. Ruth Hottenstein, my mother. Andrew Hottenstein, my brother. And Ken Schaefer. My son, Paul. My first and fourth babies who miscarried early. My Grandparents, Ruth and Omer Workman, Dan and Irene Chupp. David Mask, uh, Myron and Alice Thomas. Anya Lucas and Ron Burr. David and Jane Kale. My husband, Harold Walker, Jr. 
Sophie Steinhaus, and my friend Erica Lilly. Um, Eleanor Sykowski, Richard Sykowski, and Dusty Edmonds. Katie, Mike, uh, my father, Harriet, Dax. And one final candle for all those we hold in our hearts who have not been named. Now as we remember them, we extinguish our chalice to bring our time of worship to an end. Would you join me in the words, please? We extinguish our flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. May we carry these in our hearts and minds till we are together again. These are the words of Judith Anderson. Remember us, you who are living. Restore us. Renew us. Speak for our silence. Tell our stories. Continue our work. Bless the breath of life. Sing of the mysteries. Write your heart in the stars. Dance the hidden patterns. Weave the web of love. And now, knowing that our beloved dead live on in our hearts, may we go forth to sing of the mysteries, to weave a web of love, and to continue inspiring love seeking justice and growing community. May it be so. Blessed be and amen.